0: If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to what's my head podcast. I am joined by Sean Cashman. If you know the name, man, you know, King of the Hill, you know, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, you know, what am I forgetting? I'm forgetting uh, the Simpsons, man. So Sean, I appreciate yes. you taking some time for me today. How are you, sir?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me too.
0: Anytime. A special shout out to Robert goes for this one, uh, for setting this one up. Um, and, Usually, like I told you, I wait till halfway into the episode before I hit you with a question with Robert, but he, uh, he wanted me to ask you, uh, two stories in particular that okay. like Sean had Sean had worked on the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. And the first one he wanted me to see if you would talk about was when you came to work on, uh, the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, and then he gave you his, uh, board and his, um, his episode to slug. Do you remember that story that he's talking about? Yes.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do actually. Um, yeah, was, the funny thing was, uh, I came to Cartoon Network um, after my stint on King of the Hill. I'd been on King of the Hill since season two, and I, I was on all the way up to, um, I think, season seven. And, um, you know, then like like everybody in the business, ev- eventually, you know, you get laid off. And so it was the first time in my in my short career. Where I found myself out of work, and and thankfully through some friends of mine, uh, Brian Sheasley, uh, being one of them, uh, he was working there at the time, and 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 uh, they needed a director on, on Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, so I came down, I interviewed for it. Um, the producer told me, he says, "Well, you know, it's only going to be like a five month gig because apparently, you know, they never knew if they were ever going to get renewed." And uh, I said, "Well, look, you know, I'm out of work right now. If you need me, I'll take it." Well, long story short, 5 months turned into 5 years at Cartoon Network. So, uh so that all worked out. Um yeah, when I got there, it was it was a, it was a weird thing for me because having worked on the primetime shows like in The Simpsons and King of the Hill, uh timing sense animation timing sensibilities and you know comedic timing sensibilities was very different from what they were doing at uh Cartoon Network at the time. And that was like, you know, really kind of gold Age stuff going on at Cartoon Network at the time, and um, so it. I've quickly found out that what they were doing over there was really more up my alley than basically doing half hour animated sitcoms. And um, you know, because Billy and Mandy, you know, we were doing 11 minute shorts, we were still doing actually some s- seven minute shorts of uh, the, the the last of the evil Concarne shorts, which was also part of the Billy and Mandy universe. So it was like, I actually kind of got to work on nice, short, compact, funny, you know, cartoons, which were very akin in in my liking to the uh, the, the old Warner Brothers shorts, you know, really kind of zany and fast timing and just, you know, all over the place, which is kind of more my sensibilities anyway. So, uh, but I had a hard time, I had a hard time adjusting. Uh, because, you know, King of the Hill was very kind of slow moving and, you know, had great humor. But, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it's, you know, it, it, as far as the animation goes, it was kind of, you know, watching paint dry, you know. And uh, so so I go from that and I go from that to Billy and Mandy, which was very, very, very quick and snappy and, and, and just really kind of out there. Um, and I had met Robert by that time. And um, I knew of him and I knew what he had done and I knew of his career and uh, I knew what he was working on when I got there. And he had done a lot of stuff on um, Powerpuff Girls and uh, the animated Star Wars way back when and uh, Samurai Jack and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I said, you know, I can learn a lot from him. So basically what I asked him if, if, I could, if I could borrow one of his Powerpuff Uh, girls storyboards that he had slugged for timing that he had directed and and for the longest time that was like my bible you know for me to adjust to my you know new new position on the grim adventures of Billy and Mandy and um so I have I have him to really kind of thank for really kind of uh you know instilling in me that sensibility that he has that is so good Mm -hmm um now as far as the other part of the story that he mentioned i'm not quite so sure which part he's getting at there do you have any more you can feed me on that I, i'll try yeah, and let's, that for let's, you. Just,
0: let's just give us all the parts and we'll see how, how uh how, how how it goes he, he just wanted me to ask you pretty much uh uh that um the first time you get one of his boards to slug and then he said uh ask him about his experiences and the people he worked with on billy and many that's all he really yeah 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 um
1: well you know pretty much with robert's stuff it's all there you know it's 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 really um i guess really the, the only thing left for me to do was to just uh slug the storyboard for time you know uh you know he was so detailed in his direction and his notes and everything was covered so it was it was like a godsend that was just like wonderful for me to 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 get one of his slugs you know and to uh and to take it from there and um so that i I always loved when he worked on the show because you know he would he robert st- still to this day works on a lot of different shows you know he's he's like a a stalwart that Cartoon Network. I mean, you know, he's he's the go-to guy for a lot of people and um, you know, so he was always kind of in and out of the rotation of directors on Billy and Mandy and it was always good to have him on board. Uh, you know, we we had a supervising director, Julie, who also taught me a lot about the timing of the show um, but we had a great, great crew in general, I think um, I, and I really kind of have to say you know, even working on The Simpsons and, and King of the Hill and And later on other shows, Um, I'd have to say both personally and professionally, Billy and Mandy was probably uh, up until the show I'm working on now at Disney was, um, I think, the the best time of my career. Yeah, Uh, We we were a really tight knit group. Um, Maxwell Adams, aka uh, Adam Burton, who was the creator of the show, uh, great guy to work for. Gave us a lot of room uh, slash rope <laughs> to do our jobs, uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was creatively uh, very freeing for me in particular, uh, and it just opened up opened up the floodgates for me. And uh, you know, we were a tight group, and we would go out to lunch a lot together. And we would kind of sometimes we would like piss off other crews at Cartoon Network because we we would have people come up and say you guys really don't get along all as well as you look, do you? And like, yeah, we do. He says, ah, bullshit. (laughs) You know, because it's, it's very rare when you end up on a crew that everybody gets along and everybody loves what they're doing and everybody loves the show that they're on. And uh, so I don't know if that's what Robert was uh, talking about, but uh, for me, um, you know, it wasn't without its ups and downs, but uh, you know, my my five month job on uh, Billy and Mandy turned into like three seasons uh, of work until they finally, until they finally put the kibosh on it, and I was able to move on to something else.
0: Yeah, I, I've uh, I've only gotten the chance to talk to a few of you guys that have worked on there. Uh, you being one, and then Robert being the other. I've had Maxwell on; he was a fantastic person. Um, we 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 went pretty deep on on his because I didn't know before um, before I started that chat. I didn't know what had happened towards the end of Billy and Mandy and Cartoon Network. So when I started looking into it and hearing what other fans were saying about about the show. I was like, holy shit, man, this is some I don't want to say some dark stuff because there's a lot of worse stuff that's happened in the world. But it was like just hearing his side of the story and then hearing Robert's side and then just doing the due diligence that I have of going and researching and finding out, you know. What happened in between? You know the uh, I don't want to say chain of custody because it makes it sound like it's a trial or a, or a court case, but it's just and <laughs> you know what happened in that time frame in that timeline. It was mm-hmm. just wow! It's one of the biggest shows for Cartoon Network during that era, and yeah. then to just get the axe the way it did. Yep. And then you see the ushering in of a different slate of uh, TV shows to you know trying to trying to compete with Disney and Nickelodeon and their their realistic, non-cartoony type of shows. I was just I'm shaking my head. I'm like, damn, I wish I bet you if Cartoon Network had that one to redo that they wouldn't have killed it as quickly as they did. Um and then of course the other person I had on from the Billy and Mandy was uh Grim, you know, Greg Eagles, which was oh a, yeah. You know, yeah. That guy was hilarious, man. It was so yep. it's uh, it's always fun when I can talk that show. Um but one show in particular that I absolutely love that we mm-hmm. have never really gotten the chance to talk to in depth with is king of the hill
1: Oh, now, okay.
0: with king of the hill mm-hmm. i just want to explain like how how much this this show meant to me like this was like what the simpsons were and you worked on both of them which is crazy to me right so yeah. what the simpsons was for like 98 percent of the population of adult animation fans wow. king of the hill is to me i mean that i don't know what it was i was 12 years old when i first saw this show yeah. And I'm watching this and I'm like, I'm way too dumb to be watching this show for one, you know, being a 12 year old is the first thing I'm thinking. And I'm like, uh-huh. 2 I'm just, it was the same thing as when I rewatched Samurai Jack as an adult. I was like, I, there's no way I could have appreciated either Samurai Jack or King of the Hill at 12 years old when I saw him the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like or how did you get the, I guess, how, how did you get on King of the Hill is is when it boils down to, I would love to know that story.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, one thing you have to understand is that both The Simpsons and King of the Hill were done at the same studio uh, at the time. Uh, uh, and the studio was Film Roman and it was in North Hollywood and The Simpsons were on the on the first floor and King of the Hill was on the second floor. And uh, when when King of the Hill started up, you know there were a few simpsons people that made the move up up upstairs as i like to say um and by that time i had i had worked my way up uh, to be being able to direct an episode of the simpsons and um and it was a really troubled it was a really troubled show i'll give you some quick background on that um initially uh, the show was written for uh Bruce Springsteen and the E street band to be the guest stars mm-hmm. because the showrunner at the time was a huge fan and, um, Bruce kept saying no and they wouldn't take no for an answer and they keep going back to him and he would keep saying no. Well, this went on and on for months and months and months until it came time. Well, we, the show has to go into production. So we're going to start production on the show, but it's probably not going to be with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, even though they're in the script and they're in the storyboard. So we started the show, come to find out there was a final no. And uh, so then they went to, you know, uh, another list of people who also told them no. <laughs> For some weird reason, they could not get anybody to do it, who eventually ended up doing the show. Like you know, Tom Petty and the Stones and and other people, uh, but at that time, you know, no one would replace Bruce Springsteen.
0: So what your apprehension was for him saying for him not. No, letting...
1: you know, I never learned that unfortunately because I was always curious about that as well. Um, so we had to stop production on the episode. So I'm basically kind of don't really have anything going on. So uh, I. Uh, I had already done on my last hiatus from the Simpsons. I had, uh, I was assistant director on a really early, I think season one episode of King of the Hill, Texas city twister where the, where they get a, a, the tornado hits town. And um, they said, well, you can come up here, you know, while you're on break from your Simpsons show and, and, you know, we'll come up, come on up and work, work work with us. And uh, so I went up, did some work on King of the Hill. They finally got um, the Who to agree to do the Simpsons show. So then I came back downstairs to the Simpsons, did that show, and then I um, had to go back up to King of the Hill because King of the Hill had taken me on by that point uh, as a director. Um, so kind
0: of uh, freelance when you first start is is it if you're in the same studio is it considered freelance if you're going to another show or is it within the same studio? Uh,
1: no, it's well you know it's within the same studio but it's you know two different sets of budgets. You know what I mean? So, so when I, when I, if I work for King of the Hill, I get paid with the King of the Hill budget. If I work on Simpsons, I get paid off the Simpsons budget. Uh, So technically if I'm, if I'm not working on the Simpsons and not doing anything on the Simpsons, I'm not working. Mm -hmm. So if I go and work on King of the Hill, they pay me, you know, that's how that would go. Uh, But event, but they gave me my first full-time offer as a director on King of the Hill. Mm -hmm. So after I finished my Simpsons show, I just moved on to King of the Hill at that point. And was a full time director starting on season two.
0: Yeah, and that I, was. yeah, that's that's phenomenal. Now you said it was the uh, Texas Twister, and I can't remember because I always get these two mixed up. But uh, there was a PSA at the end of the episode where Hank was talking about you know the people seeing his ass cheeks. Um, so yeah. it was either that one, or where, where he had to wear the prosthetic uh, the prosthetic pants because he was sitting on his spine essentially? But I think it was the Twister one where he had that PSA.
1: Um, probably that was probably done separately because I I don't remember having to do that as part of the show. Yeah,
0: but uh, yeah,
1: yeah, that was kind of a that was kind of a wacky show. But the, so the weird thing was was I you know, you know when I worked on The Simpsons, you know The Simpsons was my first job in the animation business.
0: What a way yeah. to break in!
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no no one's been luckier than I am, and uh, and uh, so for me my time on the Simpsons was basically, and I say this a lot, was basically my schooling. It was on my on the job training of, of how to do a animated television series. Uh, So I was able to really kind of work up the ladder into different, different aspects of animation production uh, to the point of eventually being able to direct an episode. And I kind of was able to use that to become a full-time director because I don't, at that time, Once I finished my Simpsons episode, uh, there was no plan, immediate plan at the time, to have me uh, go on to the directing roster full-time. Although they eventually did offer me a couple of more episodes to do, but by that time, I was already pretty ingrained in King of the Hill as a director. So I just moved on to uh, Arlen, Texas full-time, so...
0: which one was easier for you to get in the mindset for was a king of the hill because you spent, I guess I want to imagine it is because you, you'd spent a lot more time with, you know, King of the hill and, and that, that cast and crew than you did with the Simpsons or did you, did you, how many, how many episodes did you, uh, did you work on for the Simpsons? Do you remember? Uh, uh, total. Yeah.
1: Oh God. Well, there's, there's a uh, seven seasons worth of episodes, but you know, I started out as a character layout artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh we would we would jump from episode to episode to episode to episode. Uh, so um, I'd have to actually probably look at my own IMDb and and figure out how many episodes that is. It, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, funny story. My wife and I were watching uh, The Simpsons one night, and uh, I said to her, I said, "Wow, well, I don't think I've ever seen this episode." And then when the end credits came on, there was my name. <laughs> <laughs> so that that'll give you an idea of how many episodes that that is. So.
0: You got to think it's, it's been going for what, 31, 32 years, somewhere around. There. I mean, it was made the same year I was born. I'm 32. So 32 years it's been going. Yeah, uh, And it's it's funny that was a show when i was younger there was two cartoons i was not allowed to watch as a kid the simpsons being one because my yeah. mom absolutely detested bart simpson uh, but, she didn't want her sons acting like bart and the other one was a show called rugrats because oh, yeah. of a little girl named angelica and what's funny about that is i've actually had the voice actors for angelica from rugrats on miss cheryl chase one of the sweetest and kindest people i have ever talked to in my life uh-huh. and then i look at her i'm like you realize this is it's very very confusing to talk to and she's like, why is that? It was like, you were probably the sweetest and nicest person I've ever talked to in my life, but you played an evil tyrant. I was <laughs> like, how did this happen? And then you know, she told us the whole story about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was those, those two shows specifically. And then I would have to wait until my mom went away so I could watch it. Um, but during COVID uh, in 2020, when everybody got sent home, uh, we were just looking for stuff to watch. You know, because my son was my son was sent home from school. Um, my wife's work opened up. I work in I work in the restaurant industry, so we were shut down for fuck close to six months. Um, yeah. And then my wife was working because she was a general manager of a store, so you know she was uh, she was the only one working at the store. Mm. So she would come home on our lunch breaks and shit. And then me and my son were just burning through. Burning through anything we could watch just to buy time and stuff. Yeah. I started on The Simpsons. And then I was like, wow, I forgot like how phenomenal, like how well the writing was, how well the voice acting was, the art, just everything. I mean, it's still, in my opinion, unpopular, I'm sure. It doesn't hold the candle to King of the Hill, but that's neither uh-huh. here nor there. You know, it was like, but it was just watching it with my kid. I'm like, man, I really don't understand why my mom didn't like like it was it's a cartoon for one. But it was just like, I don't understand what her issue was with Bart. Like, obviously, he's a little asshole, but I mean, all little boys at that age are assholes, right? So, you know, (laughs) it it was just, it was, it was an interesting to kind of see it through a parent's eyes when you're watching a kid watch it. um, And then just not finding the same kind of issues that your parents had with it. Um, But keeping it on King of the Hill for just a little while. Yeah, uh, sure. What was so obviously each show is different so exactly. some creators are very prominent with their shows and some people are off doing stuff for the network because once a show gets as big as one of those two shows with with matt for simpsons and mike judge for for king of the hill they're pretty much you know i don't want to say they're out of loop but they're definitely got more important shit to be doing there on a day-to-day basis hmm. um was mike in the was mike in the room quite often was he in the studios often or what was your experience like with him
1: yeah, my experience uh, w- uh, basically was more with uh, Greg Daniels
0: mm-hmm.
1: was the co-executive producer and co-showrunner and creator of the show with, with Mike. Uh, Mike, I actually only met face to face during my whole run, uh, maybe twice, yeah. because he's, he's, he was at that time based out of Texas. And the only time he would be in California from what I remember from what I recall is that when his kids were on summer vacation, mm-hmm. he'd bring the whole family out to California and he'd, he'd spend the summer out here. And that's when he would either come to, you know, take a peek at our animation studio or he'd show up at uh, the records. Most of most of his stuff was done remotely, at least by the time I came on board. Uh, but I did get a chance to uh kind of gets to know them a little bit. Uh, they had a, there was a comedy festival down in, um, well, where was it? Somewhere in Texas. Um, um, you'll have to
0: forgive me. Oh, but anyway. Okay. It's, come to you right after you get off this call. Of, of
1: course. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they had a comedy festival down there and, and uh, King of the Hill was going to be a big part of it. And uh, they had, you uh, a screening of a couple of episodes and one of them was mine at a huge theater down there uh, the voice cast came down they had it they had a king of the hill day and so then at the end of the king of the hill day we all kind of went out and partied and that's where i kind of got a chance to kind of get to know mike a little bit he's he's a, he's a good dude because years later when i was at another studio in town here called titmouse and i'm talking years later You know, he was getting a tour of the studio because he was thinking about doing some work there or having some work done there. And he poked, they poked his head in my office and he remembered me. And I was actually very kind of touched by that, you know, Uh, but uh, didn't really get to know him too well. I dealt more, more or less with uh, Greg Daniels.
0: So what was a day-to-day operation like for you specifically when you're working on King of the Hook? Because I got to imagine, depending on the show, it's every show is ramped up crazy um one of those shows that i I just got to talk to uh another supervising director um, and he worked on spongebob the camp coral show uh the patrick star show so it was spongebob is one of those shows that he said when he got on it he was he wasn't expecting the uh intensity to be where it was at because it was just go 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 because they were just burning out so many episodes of spongebob yeah what was it like with you because you obviously you said billy and mandy was it was a little bit tighter because everything was punchier it was like the looney tunes it was a lot easier i think is what you said than the the thirty-minute sitcoms um so what is that that process and what is that day-to-day like for you on king of the hill
1: well the day-to-day on king of the hill was um yeah uh when you're working on shows like billy and mandy where you're basically cranking out you know me as a director was I would basically have to get an episode out one, one every month, say, on average. Uh, when you're directing in the primetime shows like King of the Hill, uh, I would spend a whole season basically just uh, directing two episodes. Uh, because, you know, it's it, you're as a director, I was involved in everything from soup to nuts and uh you know a to z and um i had a crew that worked for me i had a crew of artists character layout artists that drew the characters and laid out the scenes i had a crew of storyboard artists i had a crew of designers that designed the characters the backgrounds the props and um i also had to storyboard one act of every show that i directed as well um so it's um it's a process it's just it's a it's a slower process but it's not really any less intense. It's intense in its own way. Um, There's a little bit more breathing room, thankfully, than, than working on cable shows. Um, But uh, you, you have to really kind of take the ball and run with it at the beginning of an episode when you storyboard it, and then you have to hand that into the, to the uh, showrunners and the uh, supervisors and you get notes on the storyboard. And then you come back and you revise those and then you lay out the show and you build an animatic. Then you have to hand that in and then you get notes on that. Then you have to revise that. And then you have to do all the final timing and all that stuff and ship it off overseas after approved designs. So it's, uh, you know, it's a handful, but it's, it's a different handful. I don't know if I'm being clear enough on this, but it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's just a different handful. Plus, when you're dealing with the writing and the characters on a show like King of the Hill, whereas, you know, they have a lot of ha ha knee slap humor going on, but they also have a lot of subtlety. Yes. Uh, and a lot of the subtlety is in character. And so, you know, the hard thing to do is to kind of nail down the timing of the delivery of humor and also nail down the acting within the character, you know, acting on their faces, their body language and things like that. You know, we get to spend, a lot more time doing that uh because we got to do full character layouts on that show which is almost akin to animating mm-hmm. but not quite but you know and a show like king of the hill you know yeah there's a lot of, a lot of subtlety that was uh that was kind of difficult at first to kind of nail down but once once i got familiar with the characters more and more and and, and, and it really kind of clicked better in my head about Okay, this is what the show's about. This is what this character is about. This is what we're trying to say in this episode. Uh, it became, I would say, I would say easier and a lot more fun.
0: So, what was because you said you had to storyboard and act? Was there a specific part of the show that you you tended to gravitate? Would you like to start it, end it, you know, tie it in between? Yeah, Where would you, you
1: know do- that's a great question because what I used to do is depending on because there's such an overlap of, you know, even if I'm doing two episodes, you know, while I'm starting a new one, I'm still doing the finishing touches on the previous episode. So uh, depending on what my schedule was like and what my avail- availability was uh, to storyboard, I would either take the tail end of a show to storyboard, uh, because that way I could still kind of concentrate on finishing up my previous episode, or I would take the first the first act, which is three acts and a storyboard for a half hour show. Uh, I would take the first act, which is basically the, uh, the setup of the show. Mm-hmm. And and I would do that one. And then I would, uh, you know, have my heavy hitters and my storyboard department, you know, just really kind of bring it home for act two and act three.
0: Now, when, I don't think I've ever gotten the chance to ask him about this. Cause I, there's, like I said, I've never had anybody on for King of the Hill, but, Two questions, really, but it might be just one. Um, when you guys have a show like King of the Hill and each episode kind of leads into the next one because you're going to an, it's like a comic book. There's story arcs, there's, you know, blow off episodes and issues yeah. and all this stuff. So Something's building into something. Um, is there a specific division within inside the animation studios that you guys would go to? And they'd be like the little nerds with their pencils and like, oh, he can't say this because he said this 16 episodes ago, but he can't come here because he was here four episodes. Do you know what I mean? Does it look like a serial killer's lounge where they've got <laughs> every place? Like, how does that work?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I would, I would say yes and no to that. And I'll tell you what the yeses and the, what the nos are. Uh, we would actually get at the beginning of every season, And this would actually come, a lot of these notes would come from my judge, at least way back in the beginning of the show, where we would have a lot of do's and don'ts, you know, 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 mostly things like, you know, the way characters would act or the way characters would react, uh, you know you know, Hank does not do this and Hank shouldn't do that. And Dale shouldn't, shouldn't do this. And, you know, so there was a lot of do's and don'ts and that list grew and grew and grew every season. So uh, Tansy, that would be a yes, that uh, there was someone who kept track of that stuff, but it usually started with Mike judge. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of it would happen. A lot of that, a lot of it would also be followed up through uh, by the writers of the episode. uh, And it would be kind of up to us, on our end at the animation studio and as directors to try and, you know, just keep track of all that stuff, because it would be brought to your attention if you, uh, if you did something that you weren't supposed to be doing. So, or that a character wasn't supposed to be doing.
0: Now one of, I'm pretty sure he's everybody's character, but Dale Gribble was, was definitely my guy. He was, I still use, so not recently because I've just been so busy with, uh, the, the the baby and work and everything like that. But each week my friends and I would play D and we would play online because we're all in different states. Sure. But we would play on the computer and we'd do the same thing like we're doing now. We'd get on the microphone, we'd talk shit about each other and talk shit to each other <laughs> and just break balls the entire time. But um I tried to bring in a rusty shacklefordism every uh-huh. single every single campaign. It was pocket sand. And then <laughs> I would, I would say, well, I'm going to roll for pocket sand. And I'd throw a little dice out there. He's like, no asshole. You can't do that because you didn't put sand in. And I was like, well, Rusty Shackleford, you never saw him put sand in his pocket. That's right. Um, but uh, Dale Gribble, man, when <laughs> you're writing this show, I got to imagine everybody's got their favorite characters or everybody's got their favorite scenes or everybody's got their favorite episodes. Sure. Specifically for you, did you have uh, a, a, uh, is it a propensity? No, that's not the right word. Did you have a, a did you have a bias or a lean towards a specific character or a specific a specific group of characters that you absolutely loved working with, and you tried to get them in each episode?
1: Well, the thing is, you know, as directors, we were just assigned scripts, mm-hmm. so whatever happens in that story is what you're going to direct. Gotcha. So we we really had no control over or or really kind of a choice into what kind of stories we got as far as. How they lean to a particular character. Gotcha. Um, so, but yeah, but you do develop your your favorites, you know. And and you know, quick and easy, you know, Bobby Hill, you know, became became a lot of everybody's favorite character. And Bill, Bill Dotrieve, yeah. you know, uh, of course, you know Hank and Dale. I mean, that's a given. But you know, uh, Dale and 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 Bill and Bobby were like, the, I think for me, the big three because I think they had the they had the the craziest uh, storylines and the best and the best lines and the best deliveries of lines. You know, because um, I tried to make it a point uh, as much as I could whenever I was going to direct an episode is to go to the recording session, and uh, and most times most times you you, you 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 don't really have the luxury of having all of the actors there at the same time, but you know we would have a lot of that with King of the Hill. Not all the time, but man, when they were all together or when most of them were together. I mean, it was it was hard for me not to laugh and maybe ruin a take. So, (laughs) you know, uh, but yeah, I would say those three are probably my favorites.
0: Yeah, it's it's, like I said, Dale Dale was my guy. But when you think about it, there's not one bad character in this entire show. Every character, they might not have an episode every season. They might not have an episode every two seasons. But they do have a vast number of characters and everybody seems to get their moment to shine. Whether they're in there for 10 seconds, they're in there. Ten minutes yeah. and, and Bobby was one of those characters that I asked I mean he's pretty much why I wear the same shorts I've been wearing since I was 12. I still <laughs> wore my cargo shorts you know uh-huh. I, I don't I don't wear pants uh it's cargo shorts all day type of thing
1: uh uh-huh.
0: being in Florida it's short weather almost well, there ago. you go so, yeah you know, um and- but but him him learning self-defense by Hawaii by the women's defense classes is still I say it at least once a week. I don't know you. That's my purse. That's and then my depending purse. On who it is, yeah. <laughs> depending on who it is, it's like they either get it and they're like, oh man, this guy's crazy as shit. Or they're nope. like, oh, I like King of the Hill too. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was funny when I first started on the show, uh, I would talk to a lot of people, you know, that, uh, cause I'm originally from Connecticut. And, uh, so if I was, if I was ever back in Connecticut or talking to people from Connecticut and they wanted to know, Hey, what are you working on these days? And cause they all knew I was on the Simpsons originally. Uh, I said, well, I'm not on the Simpsons anymore. I'm, uh, cause at that time, King of the Hill was only, uh, not even in its second season yet. And so a lot of people, at least the reactions I got, you know, weren't really aware of it yet, you know, uh, so I would say, yeah, well, I worked on The Simpsons for a long time, but now I'm on a show called King of the Hill, and they would go, "Oh, I love The Simpsons." i was <laughs> just kind of like, really, really, come on, you know. But then that that changed over time. Yeah. That changed over time, and then you know, King of the Hill hit its hit its stride, and you know, became what it was, and and then I didn't have to hear that any any longer, you know. Uh, I had, I do have a story akin to what you were talking about with uh, you know. Running off Bobby Hill lines, uh, I did an episode on Billy and Mandy called um, "Attack of the Cl- Attack of the Clowns," and there's a there's a, a long stretch in that episode where uh, uh, Billy is convinced and he's trying to convince Mandy that they're going to be invaded by clowns, evil clowns, you know, from outer space, and and he said uh, they're going to destroy us all. And he, and he just keeps repeating destroy us all yes. <laughs> over and over and over and over and it just goes on and on and on and on so eventually they made t-shirts out of that and it was just you know billy's face and it just says destroy us all under it so I was standing in line at ralph's which is a supermarket chain out here and there was a woman in front of me with her with her baby in the cart and she's staring at my shirt and i'm thinking oh boy here we go and and she's staring at my shirt and she's looking at me and she's staring at my shirt and she looks up at me and she goes, you work on that show? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, I hate that show. <laughs> and I'm like, sorry. <laughs> you know, she says, that's all my kid running run around the house screaming, destroy us all, destroy us all. I couldn't get them to stop. And I'm like, sorry, <laughs> you know? So anyway.
0: I, I, I like that because uh, did you ever watch the show? It was on, it was on Cartoon Network around the same time Billy and Mandy was, do you remember a show called Ed Ed and Eddie? Oh yeah. So I've had almost that the, the complete cast and crew of that entire show almost. Right. So Whoa. I've gotten the chance to see everybody's perspective on what they were doing, how they were doing it, what they would love to do, what they hated to do. Right. So I, I've, I've spent so much time in that universe um, that one of the writers that I've had on more than any other person, Mike Kubat, fantastic person. One of the funniest people I've ever met too. Um, was telling me the story. Cause I, I always had this, I love the, the thought of people reading fan mail, but it's hate mail. Um, yes. I can't remember the, um, the late night host to do it, but he would be, it would make the, the celebrities read mean tweets. And yes. then I had the thought, I'm like, you ever, you ever see that segment? He was like, yeah, I seen it. You know, I was like, do you guys ever have that? Like you guys would be sitting around the animators room or the writers room and you guys would read off shitty, shitty fan mail. he's like, yeah, we did. And he was, <laughs> was like, what was the worst one you ever had? He was like, it wasn't even a fan mail. They were in my car. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And then he was like, well, you know, I was the dad that was driving my daughter to her soccer game and, and it was, we would carpool. So a bunch of the team was in there and a bunch of the parents, he was like, I'm in there. I think he said he was like, I was driving a big old suburban. And he's mm-hmm. like, I had some of the other girls from the team and then some of the parents in there. And then um, everybody that was in there with the exception of his daughter and maybe one or two of his friends didn't know what he worked on. They knew he worked in animation. They just didn't know he worked on Ed, Ed and Eddie. Right. And the show Edit Ed, and Eddie came up. And then the mom was back there, and then he's so he's driving, and he keeps he says keeps looking up in the rearview mirror, and then she's like, I fucking hated that show, <laughs> and then he made eye contact with his daughter, and she went, No, don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, yeah, it, it's, it's 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 always interesting to see like I, when people hear their criticism, you know, and it's oh, yeah. people are just bold and bold and brave, you know. He's like, hey oh, yeah, sure. So,
1: I get that. I get that. <laughs> I had I also had another another time when uh, someone was asking me uh, when I was working on the Simpsons. You know, you know, we would have a hiatus every year in between seasons, so so I would always end up with at least you know three three and a half months off in between seasons, and so someone asked me, well. What do you do during that time? I said, well, I try and get freelance work or I, you know, I said, but I know I'm going to be returning back to the show. So I usually just collect unemployment, you know, if I can. And, and she got really uh, like insanely angry with me about the fact that, you know, I, I was like bilking the system for unemployment, you know, and I'm like, look, look, this is just what happens in my line of work. You know, this is, besides, I pay into this. This is my money anyway. So what, what's your problem? You know what I mean? Oh my God. Yeah. It happens all the time. It happens all the time.
0: It's, it's always interesting to see where, like I said, where people hear what and when they hear what. Um, but before we, before we kind of transition into a couple of the other shows. Sure. Uh, favorite episode that you worked on and maybe favorite episode that you didn't work on Uh, But you absolutely loved, nonetheless. Of? King of the Hill. Hill. Yeah.
1: My favorite episode that I worked on was uh, an episode called Hank's Cowboy Movie, where he takes Bobby to the Cowboys training camp in Wichita Falls. And uh, (laughs) yeah, that's my favorite of of the ones that I got to direct. Um,
0: Carolyn sucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) um I worked really really hard in that one I mean, that one really kind of just struck some kind of creative chord in me and I really kind of just went above and beyond in that episode um but I, I love the way it came out and um I think uh favorite episode I didn't work on hmm, that's a tough one because there's a lot of good ones oh, uh there's a lot of good ones but I would I would probably have to say the one we were talking about before with Bobby taking self-defense I mean you know that's just killer <laughs> that's
0: really just the killer is. episode yeah yeah there's uh, one last question well not one last question because i'm pretty sure there'll be a couple more for king of the hill coming up uh sure. there was a rumor i want to say last year year before last that king of the hill might be coming back did you hear mm. anything about that and then- i did i
1: i heard a lot of buzz about that of it uh, getting rebooted and you know coming coming back up uh but i think i think nothing ever really became of that because i know mike Mike Judge in particular, uh, he's developing something new right now. I think, I think it's, I think it's in process of being worked on, but I'm not sure, but yeah, nothing ever, nothing ever kind of followed up after that initial announcement that there was a possibility of King of the Hill, but you know, who knows, I have no idea. It still may be in the works. You just never know. So, but uh, I have no definitive kind of answer for you, unfortunately.
0: And I would love to see it come back, even if it's just for one more season. I mean, you know, yeah. a couple people that have passed away, you know, um, yep. it was a Brittany Murphy, you know, being Luann and then, of yep. course, uh, you know, Lucky being Tom Petty. But I mean, it's just I feel like with especially with how that show ended in this 12th season, it really I just want one more season is really what I'm getting at. Even, yeah. even if we don't get it. I mean, I would love to just speculate and think about what we could get for a final season. Sure. I mean, You know, I I know they were talking about uh, rebooting Beavis and Butthead again for the third Mm -hmm. time, which Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I I love Beavis and Butthead, but it's just like there's something like I said, there was it was magic with King of the Hill. There was not one dull episode, not one. I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, working on it, you can find any kind of, you know, error. But as a fan watching this on a week to week on a day to day basis. I mean, my day, I mean, it's pretty sad that I can remember this, but it's I can tell you like as a kid, what channels my shows came on and what time they came on and where I was. Like if I was coming out of school, and from, from the animation domination block is what they used there to you in Fox. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, for my area, it would start at 5.30, 6 o'clock would be the first episode of King of the Hill, 6.30 Simpsons, then another episode, which was the new episode of King of the Hill that they played the previous week. And then we go into the new episode of Simpsons and Family Guy and then American Dad and all. Very sad is what I'm getting at, Sean. Um, <laughs> was, like, I, I looked forward to that that time um you know specifically growing up because it was like yeah. I felt like I was learning something watching this I felt like I was getting smarter by watching this show because oh. it was it was a show that was different than anything else that I'd ever seen before and right. I don't want to say anything I've seen since but, but it, when I think about it there's not very many shows that get 12 seasons but there's not very many shows that get 12 seasons and could have went for another 12 more exactly it definitely was one of those shows that left you wanting more. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's yourself included. You know, as much fans we have as far as that fan base goes, uh, can echo that same sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have uh, a favorite line from that show? That's not that's my purse.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to paraphrase. I'm going to try and and, and get it the way I, I at least remember it i i think hank and bobby are in the car and bobby i guess had fallen in love with a plastic mannequin head or something yeah. like that at one point yeah. and i think he's he's trying to talk him uh, hank's trying to you know explain to him about you know being a little weird and and, and hank says you know i'm pretty sure that you know it's illegal in like at least 28 states to fall in love with a plastic head (laughs) you know. just for that that just killed me that line and again it's probably paraphrasing but it's i think that's my favorite line i think
0: yeah that was uh that was the episode where luann brought home the head because she was trying to get her her beauty school yeah salon license and then that's right oh i'll learn how to kiss by kissing the mannequin head yeah that's right Um, (laughs) This, that yeah. show is probably the only show, like I very rarely can I go super nerdy on, on specific cartoons and shows because I've got such a just, I mean, if you look behind me, I've got such a vast interest in so much shit, right? So trying to pinpoint, but with the, yeah. with the exception of this show, I just rewatched it again in its an entirety um, last year. Um, so there's, it's definitely, I can pull out and I've watched like almost every episode three or four times and very sad life, Sean, again, is what I'm getting. At, so that's all
1: right. <laughs> that's all right. No worries, man.
0: <laughs> but, uh, you know, transitioning a little bit to the, uh, to the studio, same studio, but separate floor, man, the Simpsons mm-hmm. how, before I get to that, how close, cause you said Billy and Mandy, you guys were very, very close knit when it came to, to the yeah. crew that was working on it. Was it the same yeah. concept with King of the Hill? Was that crew pretty close or was it segmented yeah. or?
1: well we were we were a tight crew, but there was it was a big crew, you know, yeah. it was a big crew and we had a lot of directors, so that meant a lot of crews. Uh, but you know, we all we all had fun and we all got along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I just think as a as a smaller entity, uh, the Billy and Mandy crew was just a little bit more personalized because it was just a smaller group of people. Right Tight it, but, uh, you know, King of the Hill. Yeah. We were all very friendly. We had a good time and we enjoyed ourselves. Yeah. The same thing on the Simpsons too. Simpsons, again, another huge crew. Uh, but, uh, we would all, you know, not all of us, cause it was just too many people, but, you know, we, uh, we would go to lunch together a lot, you know, groups of us and, uh, you know, we all had a good time at work. And, and, and again, it was all because we were all there for the same reason. And we enjoyed working on the show
0: was that probably the biggest studio or not studio excuse me i keep saying that was that probably the biggest team you worked on was the simpsons
1: yeah i believe i believe the simpsons was a little larger than king of the hill i could be wrong I, i don't really know the exact number yeah but it was it was it's a big crew
0: yeah now how many episodes are you guys running it like Specifically just for, you know, obviously they're different shows, but Simpsons and King of the Hill. How many shows are you guys running at the same time? Because I know you said that you guys would, you know, finishing one to roll into the next. But do you remember like how many episodes you guys would be doing consecutively or congruently with each other?
1: Oh yeah, well first of all, you know, it, it was on average it was about 24 episodes a season. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was usually a crew of between Lisa and King of the Hill, there was a, I think there was 11, 11 directors on staff. Uh but the but it, it was a varying degree of uh um, how many shows each episode uh, each director would do? Uh, like I was a two show director and there was a lot of two show directors, but there were also three show directors and there were some one show directors. So it would it all worked out that between all of us, you know, there would be your 24 episodes. Um, and uh, I think the same thing happened on the on the Simpsons as well.
0: Now would just seniority would you get more episodes or
1: you kind of well, I would say that's partly true. And I would say that you would kind of have to earn the luxury of being a three-show director because three-show directors were the top, top tier. Um, and to become a three-show director, yeah, you kind of really kind of had to earn it up from being a two-show director.
0: Um,
1: I never quite got
0: there. <laughs> so I was always a two-show director. That's okay. Like I said, King of the Hill was a better show. Um, right. but. <laughs> but uh, staying on the Simpsons for just a little while. Sure. Uh, so you didn't have too many, you know, run-ins and dust-ups with Mike getting to meet him. And, you know, uh, you, know you said you had a little, little personal meeting when you guys went and partied for the uh, King of the Hill party, yep. King of the Hill day. Um, <clears throat> did you get to meet Matt at all? Or what was that yep. experience like working with the, the producers, the executive producers, and of course, Matt, like,
1: yeah, well, you have to understand one thing is that uh, the actual animation work on the show at, at our studio is in one part of LA and then Matt and the writers and the producers are in another part of LA and very rarely did the two intertwine with each other. Uh, Usually when that would happen is, is when as a director, or even as an assistant director, you would go with your director to go over to Fox, which is out on the West side of LA and from North Hollywood, where our studio was to go screen, your show that you're doing either an animatic or, or the actual animation that has just come back from overseas. Uh, and that's when I would get a chance to, to, to meet everybody and, and sit with everybody and, and, and kind of, you know, work back and forth with everybody. Uh, Matt was, I, I liked Matt a lot, but I was warned as in, when I was f- first became an assistant director by the, by my director, he says, now, look, when we get over there to screen the show today, there's a pecking order to how you sit, where you sit, and don't say anything unless I say something first. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. So, you know, uh, but then after a while, that kind of got loosened up a little bit once they get used to you and you're not such a newbie anymore. um, But, you know, mostly um, the show is run by the the, uh, executive producer, who's really like the big top writer of the show they they run pretty much the day-to-day of the show um on their end matt matt always had always had the ability to sign off on things or not sign off on things i mean he was very involved but again uh because we were in two different parts of la we very rarely saw each other unless it was a premiere party every season you know so uh, there wasn't a lot of interaction going on
0: did you guys do I hear, you know, all the time about um, I don't know if you got to meet him when you were there, um, but Van Partible was the creator of Johnny Bravo.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: And so, uh, you know, he would say like they would do parties all the time at Cartoon Network. They would have you know, somebody's birthday or they would throw together some kind of random day for a holiday type of thing. You know, they yes. always try to keep it fun and festive at Cartoon Network. Was yeah. it like that at Fox? Would you guys, you know, would they throw parties? Or were you guys just knee deep in writing and trying to animate as much as possible?
1: No, not because, again, we weren't really part of Fox. You know, the, the studio that we, where we did the animation or we actually produced the animation for the show totally separate from fox so uh you know the only time again where we would party as as one unit would be usually a premiere party
0: would, uh, you, would you guys try to do stuff like that for your for the animation studio would you guys try to do stuff like that as like a morale building or what would you guys do to bond i guess is what i was really getting at
1: oh we would do crazy things like you know we would we would do uh we would actually do like whenever a, a big movie just came out or something that we are all we all had gone to see. You know, we would start we would start drawing scenes from that movie with the Simpsons characters. And we we would post them up on the walls. You know, and I remember one was right around the time that uh, Pulp Fiction had come out, and we and we did we did scenes from Pulp Fiction with Simpsons characters in place of the actors, and uh, that was really cool. Uh, and again, like I said, we would go out to lunch a lot. Halloween was a big time where we would party a lot because, you know, we, you know, the costumes were unbelievable and uh, we would always have a in-studio Halloween party and then obviously Christmas time. Uh, but uh, that would be it really. But yeah, Cartoon Network, they used to have, especially during the summer, we would have a, I don't know if it was a, it was a, it was a monthly barbecue on the roof of the studio and yeah, it, it, there was always something going on there, yeah.
0: Now, with uh, I'm glad you brought up Halloween because if you wouldn't have mentioned it, I wouldn't have brought it up. Um, but that's my favorite holiday. Uh-huh. And, yeah, being a fat kid growing up, I absolutely love oh. the, the thought of going door to door, knocking on door, saying trick or treat, and they give you candy. Man, grind yeah. me the fuck up, man! I, it was just it was, it was my day to shine. What's uh,
1: better than that? Yeah,
0: not, not much, man. I mean, if you ask my wife, it's Christmas, but we, uh-huh. we don't talk about that shit. <laughs> 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 much, but Halloween is a very, very big time for for the Simpsons because everybody looked forward to those those, yes. those Halloween episodes and that Halloween yep. season. Did you ever get to direct or work on any of those episodes?
1: Well, I, I worked as a character layout artist on on I think one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do You'll have to. i have to apologize because I can't remember which one oh, it was. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it was always fun to to you know, get assigned to working on the Halloween show because it was, it wasn't just one episode. It was all these little vignettes, yes. you know, and a lot of them were always kind of takeoffs on classic horror films or, you know, Simpsons versions of horror, classic horror films. So it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I did get to work on one, possibly two. Um, and I also got to uh, work on a couple of couch gags too, which were also very fun. So yeah, had it's perks.
0: Oh, I can imagine um, same kind of questions we did for King of the Hill that we'll do for for The Simpsons. Was there a character not so much that you absolutely loved, it, as far as your favorite characters, but drawing? Did you feel like you slipped into those characters, like slipping into a pair of socks? Was it was it easy to slip into one or two of them?
1: Oh yeah, I mean most of them because you have to you have to know how to draw all of them, you know. Because when when you get when you get assigned a section of scenes to do, I mean you have to draw who's ever in those scenes. Yeah. But I think for me uh i love drawing homer but I, I i really got an affinity for drawing grandpa, grandpa <laughs> simpsons he was a lot of fun to draw because he was he was kind of like this weird version simpsons version of like to me it was like a weird simpsons version of zippy the pinhead you know and and uh he had like a you know his pineapple hair up on top of his head and you know it was just he was just a lot of fun and I, I enjoyed drawing him as a character i also enjoyed uh drawing um well, what was the other one Grandpa Mr. Burns I like drawing a lot he was fun uh, actually I think they put out a they put out a book a few years ago of you know how to draw the how to draw the Simpsons and my in my section of it was how to draw Mr. Burns because I, I really did enjoy drawing him so uh, a fun did,
0: character to watch. I did
1: that I did that for the I did that for the book but they're they're actually all fun to draw. The only difficulty was getting uh, Lisa Simpson's hair correct because yeah. she's got all those points in her hair and she has a certain amount of points and they all kind of have to, they all have to hit a certain angle. Cause if they don't, it looks like hell. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> so she, I always had trouble with her. Now with, uh, with the exception of Lisa's hair, was there any other characters that kind of threw you for a loop or might've been difficult to, to really play with?
1: Um. I guess whenever we would have a a celebrity guest star that was playing a character, but we had to design it to kind of look like that person, you know, because, you know, sometimes when you Simpsonize some people, you can get a good likeness, even looking as a Simpsons character and other ones, eh, not so much, you know, and it's, it's kind of tough to kind of keep, keep those characters on model so that they kind of at least look like who's portraying them uh so that's kind of the only difficulty i ever had
0: now did you ever hear and you might have not heard. uh you know heard this would probably be like one of those you know uh one of those guys at the higher echelon of the food you know those producers you'd hear like oh man i don't like them. they made me look too big or they made me look too thin but did you ever hear any of the celebrity guests say no nah, i don't really like your design of me
1: well I, yeah you usually get it you know you know third or fourth person removed but uh i used to do a lot of <laughs> I used to do a lot of, uh, freelance art based on the show for Fox. And, uh, there was an episode where John Waters was the guest star. And so I had to draw a publicity drawing of, of John and uh, Homer. And, uh, so I, 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 I had, I had John behind Homer, wrapping his arms around Homer and Homer kind of freaking out like that. And, uh, I had heard that, uh, Oh no, John, John would never would never hold anybody like that, you know. You so I I had to redraw it basically is what happened. But I, you know, you you don't hear it directly; it always comes from you know somebody else. So,
0: <laughs> when do you start hearing, or when do you guys start hearing at the studios and the animation studios you're working at? Simpsons did it. Yeah, there was for when I was growing up. Uh, Simpsons, Family Guy, South Park they were really fighting for dominance I, I and maybe that's just fans looking at it or maybe the media playing into it but you always you always had that group of people like oh i don't like south park but i like family i don't like family guy but i like the simpsons yeah. i don't like simpsons but i like this you know so everybody had their favorite yep did you guys see that in in the animation studios you were working in that that you know we got to try to compete with south park we got to try to compete with family guy or were you guys just focused on doing your own thing? being the same?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was more us being focused on what we were working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, because really in, in a weird sort of way, yeah, that stuff does exist. But, you know, when, when another show becomes popular and another show becomes popular, another show becomes popular, in general, that's all good for the animation industry. Really? You know, so, um, you know, you can have your personal taste and you can say, well, I don't particularly care for it. But, you know, um, yeah, but we're just so slammed and so busy doing our jobs on whatever show we were working on, especially, you know, being The Simpsons at this point, uh, that it was always a discussion about it. But as far as like taking sides and stuff like that, um, yeah, a lot of that happened, but it never really kind of. uh, Never
0: filtered down to you. Never became
1: a, yeah, it never like became a thing,
0: no. So you guys weren't like greasers out in the back, snapping your fingers. <laughs>
1: yeah. The <jets laughs> and the sharks. Yeah. No, not really. Not really. No, because, you know, a lot, because a lot of, a lot of time, uh, you know, you'll be working, you know, first of all, it's very unusual to work long-term on a show anyway, in our business is for, there's very few shows that really go on and on and on and on. And so, so eventually, you know, at some point, you know, you'll be working with somebody on the Simpsons who may now be working on family guy or maybe American dad or, or whatever. And so you're just happy for them that they got a gig, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's always, and it's always easy and it's probably a good thing to do that, you know, you're a good cheerleader for whatever show you're working on anyway, you know?
0: Uh, but, uh,
1: yeah, no, nothing ever trickled down to us that I can remember.
0: Okay. And then, uh, last question for the Simpsons. And you might have, if I ask you this question, you might have to kill me. But uh, ah. who at the studios is the time? Uh, who's 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 going back in time and forward in time and telling us all this stuff that's going to happen in The Simpsons? Who's the time traveler in The Simpsons? Because The Simpsons has uh, what's it called? They predicted the future, if you will, quite a few times oh, yeah. throughout the yeah, year. Yeah. Who, who in the uh, who in the studios is the time traveler? Can you tell me, Sean?
1: No, I can't because I don't know. I
0: gotcha wait wink, wink. guarded secret make, wink. yeah 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 i can't
1: <laughs> tell you uh no yeah it's it's uh it's funny though because it's so true uh in <laughs> in you know how bizarre everything is going on in the world right now anyway that you know we would have those things even happening on the simpsons 20 30 years ago but uh yeah you know it's just it's the writers really you know it's just they throw it at the wall and see what sticks, you know.
0: Um, I think I think it was Robert. One of my favorite stories, One of my favorite stories, and I think it was the night that he got his first Emmy, or it might have been. I think he might have gotten two Emmys in one night. I can't remember.
1: Well, he probably did, though, Robert. <laughs>
0: uh, but it was, um, and it was the it was, oh, fuck, it was either this the the Samurai Jack one or it was the Star Wars one, but the Simpsons crew had thought they were they were gonna win it so they were up there and then they called samurai jack or they called clone wars whatever it was yep. and he was like the Simpsons crew just left they said fuck it and left they weren't sticking yeah. around for anybody else and I was like yeah. really he was like yeah he was like they won everything that night or they won everything the year before and they got super upset because we won one thing and I was like how'd that feel he's like
1: awesome. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me one time. I was uh, directing on uh Penguins of Madagascar at Nickelodeon and we were up against the Simpsons in, in in one of the categories and and we won. And by the time we came down off stage after collecting our Emmys, yeah, all the Simpsons people were gone. <laughs> so we were sitting right across the aisle from them and uh yeah, so it's 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 weird. It's weird, but hey, it happens, you know what I mean?
0: Hey, and then you can't win them all. Uh, nope. Unless you're Michael nope. Jordan, and then you win them all, and then you retire. Right, uh, there you go. But uh, I'm so glad you brought that one up because I, I completely forgot about that. Um, the Penguins of Madagascar. That was. Now I know you worked on the TV show.
1: Yeah,
0: but the movie. Like I don't know what it was about that movie or when it hit. I, I want to say I was like 16, 17, somewhere around there when that movie came out. Maybe a little bit older, maybe a little bit younger. I can't really remember. Um, but the penguins were my favorite part about that entire movie. And yep. then they get their own TV show, Smiling Wave Boys. It was just Rico. You know, it was just Cheetos. It was all this crazy, zany. It was just. It was, it was. It was so whimsical. It was so fun. I mean. What was that like working at Nickelodeon? So obviously you'd worked at Fox with Simpsons and, and uh, uh, King of the Hill.
1: Yeah.
0: And then I'm, I'm assuming it had to have come after Billy and Mandy, but did, were you working on Nick after Billy and Mandy?
1: Uh, yeah. Because while I was at, uh, when I finished up Billy and Mandy um, at Cartoon Network, I had moved on pretty much the whole Billy and Mandy crew had moved on to a show called Chowder. And uh, so because Carl uh, Greenblatt who created that show was one of our board artists on Billy and Mandy. uh, So we all went to work for him. And while I was there, I had uh, directed a short uh, for another one of our Billy and Mandy uh, alumnus, uh, Eric Robles. Uh, He uh, had a a short uh, that he wanted me to direct uh, at Nickelodeon. And so I did. And then it, it got it went to series. I got picked for series. I I, I, I spent five years at, at Nick. Um, and then from there, I went to a studio called Titmouse. Mm-hmm. And I worked on one of the very early Disney XD shows. Remember Disney XD? Oh, yeah. and, and it was a show called uh, Randy Cunningham, Ninth Grade Ninja. And uh, I worked there about four years. And that was a fun show. It, that was a really, really fun show to work on. And it was kind of my foray into uh, into Disney, actually, because um, I was kind of really lucky enough to kind of utilize my time on that show at Titmouse to kind of get in the door at Disney. And that's where I am now.
0: So with, uh, I'm going to use a wrestling reference. Did you ever watch wrestling back in the day? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Okay, so. The goal for, and I'm not a wrestler, but, you know, this is just what I've heard from, you know, listening to other wrestlers, podcasts, and all this other shit. Everybody's goal, for the most part, back in the 80s, 90s, you know, even early 2000s, everybody wanted to make it to the WWE. Connecticut-based company right there. Yes, that's right. WF, and then WWF, and then WWE, you know, so the goal was to always make it to the WWE. Yep. I got to imagine for a lot of animators, the House of Mouse is the WWE. Everybody wants to make it to the House of Mouse because of those iconic characters, that stable mm-hmm. of characters that you get to play with, that sandbox, if you will, that most people get to play with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is just, it's monumental for a lot of people. I mean, for me, me specifically, I mean, I'm a Cartoon Network guy through and through. Um, but, you know, just over the last few years, getting a little bit older and going back and rewatching a lot of those Disney movies that I watched when I was younger, but watching them now with my kids and getting to see like, getting to yeah. see through their eyes, you know, and then see how they take and see what they take away from it. And yeah. one of the one of the, the funnest things I get to do, even if that's a word, most fun, funnest, I don't even know if that's a fucking word. <laughs> that's is right. Is, is get to get to watch movies with my oldest son. He's starting to get to the age where he doesn't really want to watch movies with dad anymore, um, which is, which is perfectly fine. I've got a six month old in training, you know, so he'll, yeah, you, know, there you, you go. know, he'll eventually slide into that spot.
1: How um, son?
0: What's that? Oh, he just turned 12 uh, last Wednesday.
1: Oh so yeah. 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 And
0: yeah. yeah, starting to get to that age where I was at, where I didn't want to be around, you know, my mom and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which is, it, it happens, you know, it's nothing. Yeah. It's life. Um, but <clears throat> Getting to see that, uh, you know, kind of through his eyes, especially with the Disney movies, because we had almost every single we were so lucky when it came to movies when we were growing up, we had almost every single Disney VHS. Uh Ladies and gentlemen, VHS was a little tape you had to put in there and you did rewind in the VCR. Uh, it wasn't the streaming shit that they got now. Uh, <laughs> you and you didn't have to, you had to be kind and you had to rewind when you dropped it the blockbuster. Um, but, you know, getting to see that through his eyes. But was it, do, do, do most artists or for you specifically, did you have that inclination to like, man, I, I want to make it to the house of mouse one day? Or did this one kind of come out of left field?
1: Yeah, no, no, it didn't come out of left field. Uh, but yes, that was that has always been a desire of mine from the moment I decided to to come out here to California to pursue, you know, animation. Uh, when I first came out, I mean, I, I was at a stage where, you know, I was willing to do whatever, whatever I could do just to get into a studio, even if it meant sweeping the floors and emptying the trash bins, you know? Um, but yeah, but yeah, for me, I think at one point, I kind of wanted to become a feature animator, you know, work on a Disney feature, but, you know, all of my career has been in television and I just got so used to that way of working that it's just stayed in television. And then, you know, when I was able to, um, you know, go to Disney TV animation um yeah i grabbed at the opportunity to do it because it's still disney you know no, no, no matter what you know so yeah i mean for me yeah that 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 is like for me the the, the pinnacle really
0: you know um
1: i'm sorry
0: it's a sense of the studio that really started it all i mean yeah we wouldn't yeah. do what we have now without... I mean, you had Fleischer Studios, you had all these other studios that were coming up before them, but nothing was really doing feature films like Disney did. I mean, yeah. and then you start digging into the history of Disney, you're like, holy shit, this place shouldn't exist with what they went through and what they had yeah. to do just to, just to survive. You know, those time films were crazy.
1: Yep. And I think, too, it also... It, it, it's probably... You know, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I think probably it was more so... F- people of my generation were strove for that Disney, you know, got to work. would love to work for Disney, but there's so many different opportunities now and so many different places to, to, to work your trade and work your skills that I'm not quite so sure, uh, that it, that's, that's the pinnacle. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm sure is I'm sure it is for a lot of people. You know, I'm I'm thrilled to be there, and I've been there for five years now. So,
0: what's your favorite? So we'll, we'll break it up into three. Okay. What's your favorite classic, and what we'll do is, I'm horrible with eras, so we can do That's you fine. know, let's say the I think what was it thirty nine is when Snow White came out 39, 38, around there. Because I know Dumbo, both Dumbo and Pinocchio dropped before. We were attacked in pearl harbor the only reason i know this because i'm a a navy guy so i'm a world war ii nut when it comes to you know pearl harbor and you're not supposed to have a favorite war but my favorite thing to read about when it comes to war is that that specific area or that specific era so you know going from let's say 39 to 70 you know so you had snow white you had dumbo you had pinocchio all the way up to i think robin hood maybe so from that initial maybe 30 years you got a favorite movie as far as yeah. Disney goes?
1: Yeah, I do actually, and it's it's a combination of one of the earlier ones and one of the later ones. Uh, the earlier one being Fantasia,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. uh, it was just you know moving
0: art. That's a great they, one to smoke a joint to, by the way.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yep, yeah. and uh, and then later, uh, hands down for me, it really resonated with me when I was a kid was a Jungle Book. And I'll and I'll, t- um, I'll tell you. Why. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. Because from an artistic standpoint, I loved, I loved the the graphic look of everything and how you can almost see hints of the underdrawing animators underdrawings on the cells and and plus those beautiful backgrounds and the characters were just awesome. So yeah, so it would be Jungle Book and Fantasia for me.
0: The minus not so much fantasia but the jungle book is my favorite my favorite disney character so i, I can never say just disney character so i always got to say hero and bad guy my favorite yeah. disney character has always been Baloo. i, I oh. love that bear so much he was so <laughs> fun. he was just the whole like uh that movie <clears throat> i'm getting all choked up here talking about jungle book <laughs> that movie specifically i mean the first dog i ever bought as an adult um I still have him. I bought him uh, you know I didn't buy I, I I adopted him. We adopted a um uh, a rescue pitbull.
1: Oh, he was cool. a
0: puppy when we got him. He's 13 this year, and a couple uh-huh. of weeks 13 or 14, I can't remember. It's just all these years starting to blend together. Um but I named him Louie after King Louie from uh-huh. The Jungle Book. Yeah. um but Baloo specifically he was he's always been my favorite you know Disney hero or character and then sure. favorite villain was always Captain Hook from uh
1: ah, Peter Pan he's just he always
0: dressed so snazzy him and, <laughs> him and just me it was just it was Tick-Tock Croc, it was just so fun. So it was always a, like, not a toss-up because the Jungle Book always took it, but Jungle Book and Peter Pan, I just absolutely loved uh, Tick-Tock Croc and then Captain Hook and Mr. Speed.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that was, uh, Peter Pan was my oldest daughter's favorite movie when she was a girl. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I must have sat through that with her, you know. Uh, But yeah, but I agree with, like, what you said earlier that once you have children, you start re-watching the things that you watched when you were a kid and you're seeing them differently because now you're seeing them through their eyes. And it's a whole different, I wouldn't say new experience, but a different
0: experience. Yeah.
1: And uh, so, yeah, yeah. So I, I saw a lot of Peter Pan. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's my, that that's my son's like, cause we're, we started going back and there's this great podcast. I don't know if you listen to too many podcasts, but there's this great one. Um, and it's by a, uh, a guy named Andy DeGenova and uh-huh. uh, Michael Lyons and Hunter Fagan, I think is their names. Um, the first two for sure. One of them is a uh, animation writer for, I think it's animation magazine or um, cartoon research. I can't remember which one it is. So okay. I apologize, Michael. Um, no. They do this, they do this podcast, it's called Disorder. And mm-hmm. what they did was, it was like three or four years ago, they started watching every single Disney movie in order from when it was released. And they would tell you things about the production schedule, the art, the animators, the voice actors, just all this really, really cool stuff. And listening to that, I was like, Fuck, I really need to start going back and rewatching these because they would talk about specific scenes or they would talk about issues that the animators would have or the writers would have or the voice actors would have. And then you would hear like all these stories um, and then I started going back and rewatching them. And I'm like, Oh man, I forgot like how just beautiful, all, like the, the scene in Pinocchio specifically, like we're talking about Pinocchio for just a second, but Pinocchio where all of this stuff was not done on a computer. None of this stuff was done. On a computer, yeah. Computer. yeah, Every just the, the water scenes and the oceans were all drawn and painted by hand just to think that nope. they had the, not the foresight because they were really, learning as they went type of thing. Cause they had to figure out how to do this stuff. So painting water and doing all of this stuff made me appreciate it so much. This seems to be the appreciation podcast, but it's just, it made me appreciate like what they had to do yeah. 80 years ago. You know, it's just phenomenal what they did with the ingenuity and what they came up with. I mean, like I said, that studio, for, you know, for what it's worth, me being a fan, I absolutely love that studio. And that's mm-hmm. some of the greatest movies of all time coming out of there.
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: but going past uh jungle book so and what's crazy about jungle book i don't know if you know this that movie was the last movie that was made by walt disney studios where walt was still well he wasn't alive when it came out he died nine months before right. it came out um, right. sadly uh, i wish he would have gotten to see that one because I, I really appreciate it um, yeah another good one and i i didn't appreciate it until i saw i just I didn't, it's not that i didn't appreciate it it's, i didn't uh, it's, I didn't appreciate it as much as what I'm getting at until I talked to Robert about it, but we have talked 101 Dalmatians and uh-huh. I just rewatched that one for like the fourth or fifth time in the last two or three weeks because my, uh, my oldest wanted to watch it. And then the youngest one, he's only six months, but he, we've got four dogs at home. So anytime the dogs come over, he absolutely loves me. I've got two Huskies. So he, he grabs him. by oh, the face. Wow. He, <laughs> he does this and the dogs absolutely love him. So anything with dogs, he's just, you know, cuckoo for so sure. he was on 101 dalmatians and his eyes were just lighting up and he was looking at all the puppies and stuff um so that's another great one but uh past jungle book man what do you got so that's like let's say 70s to mid 90s um you got the lion king what you what they would call the renaissance or the yeah
1: you know, the renaissance i was a little late coming on board to the renaissance to be honest with you I was never really a fan of Little Mermaid. Uh, I like John. I liked The Lion King. Um, I, you know, what I really liked, and it's, it's, I, I, I guess I'm in the minority here, but I really liked Hercules. Yeah. I just loved the design of it, you know, the way everything was designed, and also, you know, can't beat James Woods as a villain. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. And and they did a fantastic job animating him um what else let me think nothing really else you know i did like their their foray back into 2d for a while there with uh, the princess and the frog i really enjoyed that
0: that one was a beautiful one that that's as far as modern day goes That's not like the frozen cg princess and the frog that that movie is so fun
1: yeah yeah uh so that's about it really
0: yeah I yeah was, uh, i'm in the i'm another one of being in the minority for liking a movie that most people don't uh the great mouse detective is one of my oh yeah shows. i absolutely love it, it it's yeah. because of um radigan and fidget yes. and it's just you know um when i talk to i don't know if you've ever gotten to work with him or you talk to him uh chris bailey he's an animator he's worked at disney for a little I, while i know who
1: that is but yeah. no I, i've never met him yeah
0: so he, he did a little bit of work um, on on that. And he was he was telling me, he's like, well, the reason you like that movie is because of Vincent Price. And I was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, he embodied and He was the reason that everybody went to see that movie. And he, you know, and, and since then, I've heard other people talk about uh, The Great Mouse Detective. Um, but that one was a fun one as well. And, sure. you know, so what about Pixar? You got a favorite Pixar movie? Hmm. You know,
1: l- a lot of them are so good. Um, I would probably have to say most of the toy stories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of a fan of the Cars movies only because my youngest daughter was a F- Cars fanatic. And I, have again, saw that a million times.
0: You uh, burnt that DVD <laughs> out three times. Did you know you could burn DVDs out? I burnt VHSs out when I was a kid. I burnt the the original Ninja Turtles movie out and uh-huh. dumber, and my mom wouldn't buy dumb and dumber ever again <laughs> so,
1: yeah no i didn't know you can burn dvds out but i i believe they it
0: quit working yeah they quit working okay so, yeah that makes all sense it takes, all it takes is for you to have to drive from florida to san diego My uh, we got stationed in san diego and we lived out in florida so my yeah. wife would deploy and then my wife would take on the car because we only had one car at that time yeah and uh Whenever I came back, she had to buy one because she had to work, and I was still out in California. She had to stay in Florida. So she drove the car out, and she drove it and drove it back and then drove it and drove it back. And then I think on the second time is when the car's DVD broke. Uh, Uh, She had to make a pit stop to get a car's DVD because the kid's like maybe three, and that's all. He was watching that, Spooky Buddies, which is the uh, Air Bud. That was the Halloween one. And then another yep. movie he was super fascinated with was, was a movie called Rio. I don't know if you remember that one. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Those ones specifically. He uh, yep. he really made my wife just hate having to be played Yeah, I get
1: that. I get that big time. Right. Um,
0: um, I,
1: I think uh, also I was a fan of um, the last uh, few Pixar films. Um, I mean, you know, because... Uh, It seems like, you know, they've got such a lock in telling a great story. They really, really do. And they do it so well. And, um, you know, I just think that uh, it it may be kind of formulaic now, but, you know, it works.
0: They're they're knocking out of the park
1: yeah they really they really are you know it's pretty amazing
0: i haven't seen a battle ratatouille was always my favorite just because of the line of work i'm in now it's just there's it something special about that little rat named remy so
1: <laughs> yeah there you go
0: <laughs> but, but um as we start to wind down i've, I've completely Kay. steered clear with um i want to bring you back on but i want to bring you back on with robert because i always find it's fun to have multiple people on sure. the same show um, yeah. I would like to go deeper into Billy and Mandy with both of you guys. Be happy uh, to. Yeah, so that I think that would be fun. I, I don't get to do too many, too many multiple people podcasts. Uh, just trying to line up schedules and stuff like that. But I'll yeah. reach out to Robert and uh, see if he wants to come on and we can talk Billy and Mandy. Um, yeah, that'd be great. I, I didn't want to, you know, leave the fans without some kind of Billy and Mandy talk. So we'll talk. Like I said, I'm trying to keep it really vague. Uh, but really? do you have a favorite episode for Billy and Mandy that you got to work on? I know you said it was one of the most gratifying times and most tight-knit crews you got to work on, but you got a favorite episode?
1: Uh, of In general?
0: Actually, hold off on the episode for just a second. Do you have a favorite story when you think of, whenever Billy and Mandy comes up, is there a story that that completely just comes to the forefront of your mind when you think of Billy and Mandy? And then we'll run into the episode.
1: yeah. There's a lot of them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think for me, it it would be uh, watching watching Richard Horvitz do Billy in the recording booth. I mean, I I would be sitting in the control room watching him and and I'd be in tears. Mm -hmm. I'd be in tears and laughing so hard, you know, uh, because, you know, if you take if you take the rope off of him, it's going to be a hard time kind of reining him back in again, but you know, that was the beauty of it. That was the beauty of it. And there was just like I don't think there was really anything that he did in the recording booth that we did not use. I think we just kept as much of his craziness as we could. And uh yeah. I mean, for me, I would love going to the recording sessions because it was it was uh, I I having a belly laugh is such a good feeling Mm -hmm. and it would be, you know, we always do them first thing in the morning. So it'd be a great way to start the day and just set me up in a mood for the rest of the day, like nothing else. So, I mean, you know, for me, that was a good thing. Um, And then we would, uh, you know, as far as going out as a crew, yeah, there was a few times where we would uh, we would go out uh, and imbibe a little bit and um, and then imbibe some more, and then imbibe some more. And then, you know, seeing everybody the next day at the studio in the morning, you know, hovering around the coffee machine, <laughs> trying to trying to kickstart that day in the gear. It was always fun, <laughs> you know. But we really, we really were. We were a, a family. We really were. And uh, I know it sounds so cliché to say something like that, but uh, it really was such a great environment. And I loved every minute of it. And, you know, like I said, it wasn't without its ups and downs, but it didn't matter.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you for sharing that. Uh, sure. So, favorite episode, one that you worked on specifically, and one that you might not have worked on. You got a favorite one or two that you can think of?
1: Yeah, I have a favorite. I have two favorites that I worked on. One was that one I was telling you about, Attack of the Clowns, and, nice. oh. and another one, another one was a show called uh, episode called Hilly Billy, mm-hmm. where where we where we had a section of it where it goes retro animation like all the way back to like late mid to late 30s disney and i actually got to do my own billy and mandy version of the skeleton dance
0: oh yeah. i remember this one yeah, yeah
1: yeah so that that was another one of my favorites
0: and uh, you got to, you got to direct that one
1: yes i did yes oh, I did. that was
0: a fantastic yeah. episode
1: thank you thank you I, I i loved working on that one i had a ball and i and as far as like attack of the clowns i I, I really rallied for that one because again, it's like well, even on the other shows I worked on, you were just assigned an episode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when I saw the storyboard pitch for Attack of the Clowns, I immediately went and marched right into the producer's office and I said, "I want that show." And he says, "Well, you're not scheduled for it. I want that show." <laughs> and so, you know, God bless them. They they pulled a lot of strings and moved things around, and I ended up getting that episode as well. And uh, I ended up. Uh, I think I won a, uh, yeah, I won an Annie award for that episode, which is like the first award I'd ever won in my life. I mean, for anything, I never won anything before. So it was like, (laughs) woohoo, you know, score. (laughs) Now, as far as like overall favorite episode, hard to say, I have a lot of favorites. I have a lot of favorites. Um, Just give me a second here. I got to pull those tapes back up. Hmm. Yeah, I I can't pinpoint anything in particular. But I do have another one of the ones that I worked on that I personally, it was a personal thing for me because I grew up, I was a Hanna-Barbera kid. You know what I mean? Uh, Flintstones, Jetsons, Johnny Quest, you know, all that stuff. And I had an episode of Billy and Mandy where Billy digs up Fred Flintstone and the permafrost in his front yard, <laughs> and I got to do all these all these classic Hanna Barbera moves from the, their old shows when I was animating Fred and timing the animation for Fred in that episode. So that was another favorite as well. But uh, I have a really I, I I I'm sorry, but I can't say I have an overall favorite because there's so many of them I like.
0: Oh, it's it's like trying to pick your favorite kid, man. Nobody's got a favorite kid. You should, yeah, you exactly. <laughs> yeah. <you know?
1: laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: But, but uh, uh, speaking speaking of Hanna Barbera for just a second, uh, yeah. I actually just got to talk to. I don't know if you know him. Um, but I got to imagine you, you. You don't probably don't know him, but you know the name, uh, Bob Singer. Um, yeah, I
1: do know the name. Yes.
0: Yeah. So um, he worked on the original Scooby Doo. Worked on the Johnny Quest, Jetsons, The Flintstones oh, Crazy. I just had him on yesterday man's 94 in a couple weeks.
1: Wow.
0: And I'm talking to him, and and he's telling me all of these stories of, uh, of just the studios, what it was like to work with Bill and Joe and then what it was like to work on Scooby-Doo. And okay. So you are, you're a little kid when those are coming out, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, I, I saw those a lot in reruns when, when Cartoon Network got started and Hannah Barbara, yes. you know, and Boomerang and stuff like that. So I got to see a lot of those you know, secondhand and you know, probably three or four generations removed to that point. But it was those shows were so influential for me, just like growing my sense of humor. Like I don't think I would have the sense of humor I have now if I didn't have the shows like the Flintstones, the Chetsons, Billy and Mandy's, the Ed Ed and Eddie's, like all the shows that you guys have worked so tirelessly on can attribute to my twisted sense of humor I guess is what <laughs> I mean, you know so it, sure. it's always fun when somebody can take something that they absolutely love like you did as a kid like this Hanna-Barbera cartoon you see it in the storyboards You're like no I want did you have to arm wrestle them do you have to like say I'll, I'll hit you with one of these or how'd you go about getting that you remember
1: Violence? Uh, yeah no it, it, but it but it did take a lot of back and forth I mean I really and I went to Adam too and I said look adam I I really want to do that episode you know and uh he goes well talk to Lewis who was our producer and I did and I and I, I told him I did already I said you know go put in a good word for me <laughs> you know uh so yeah uh no because I don't think anybody else because at the at the stage of, of of the storyboard pitch when we're all in the in the room for the storyboard pitch no one knows who's going to get that episode anyway so i i laid claim to it early enough i think yeah. to, to make sure that i got it and i, and I did so
0: <laughs> well, i'm glad you did man thanks man um, this has been a real fun chat we've been going for almost an hour and 45 minutes almost oh wow yeah it kind of flies by when you're having fun right so yeah. um is there anything that you're working on that you can tell the fans about that we can push traffic towards when it can when you can or when it is releasing. but what are you working on now that you must
1: oh, sure. now. Yeah, uh, presently I, I am working on a show at Disney TV called uh, Big City Greens. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, we're in our we're producing our third season right now. Uh, we're gonna have a fourth. Uh, but there's two full seasons out there on Disney plus right now and it's actually one of the uh, networks Disney Network's uh, highest rated shows, which is really cool. Yeah. uh again this is very akin to to working on billy and mandy for me mm-hmm. uh at, the, at this point in my career uh a great a great great fun crew great show and um you know i i hope to stay with it until the train stops but it's uh but i would i would definitely uh recommend uh checking it out i think you'll like it and i think your audience will like it it's called big city greens
0: you got that one written down so I've got nothing but time on the weekends when I'm not running my kid around for karate. He's a little point fighter. So his tournament season's getting ready to start back up, but yeah, we've always got some downtime to watch cartoons. I got plenty of time for cartoons, no matter what, Oh,
1: oh man. um,
0: but like I said, Sean, man, this has been really fun, Robert. Again, I appreciate you setting this one up for me. It's always fun when I can, uh, I can talk to somebody and they're like, hey, man, if you enjoy talking to me, you got to talk to this guy because he's just fun. You got to talk to this lady because she's just as fun. That's cool. It's always fun when I get to talk to new people. Um, There's only really one way to end this, man. He's been Sean. I've been Julian. This has been What's In My Head podcast, and this has been another piece of your childhood. Great. Good night. night. Thanks again for checking out the What's In My Head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.